Welding instructor Alex DeClaire knows VR training platforms like ForgeFX help students master their skills. There's a big learning curve with welding. Virtual reality simulates that exact muscle memory that they need. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact. As you write your life story, you're far from finished. Are you looking to close the book on your job? Maybe turn a page in your career. Be continued at the Georgetown University School of Continuing Studies. Our professional master's degrees and certificates are designed to meet you where you are and take you where you want to go. At Georgetown SCS, the learning never stops, and neither do you. Write your next chapter. Be continued at scs.georgetown.edu slash podcast. Greetings, Fungal Associates. Welcome to Completely Arbitrary, the podcast about trees and other related topics. I am Alex Croson, and I'm alongside my co-host, as always, Casey Jebediah Clapp. Well, how you doing? Hi, Casey. Alex, I'm glad that you're still here. You know what I'll say to you, Casey? Yes. I'm glad to be with you, Casey Clapp. Here at the end of all things. This is where I've, I've always wanted to be with you, Alex. Do you know what I'm referencing? I believe when the, uh, the mountain was about to explode after the ring of power was thrown in. Yeah. And then both, uh, rather, I'm sorry, mostly just Frodo thought that he was going to die. And he assumed that Sam was also going to have that attitude. Yeah. But then what did Sam do? Picked his ass up. Took him outside. This is... Took him home. (laughs) Tucked him in bed. I think that's when they're laying on the rock and they're like done. And they're Uh, like, it's over. Okay. Frodo, I think, literally says, it's over. It's over. I think you sent me a meme of that one time. (laughs) Yes, when I was done editing a particularly (laughs) particularly vicious episode. Yeah. Uh, Casey, here we are in book three. We've done it. Of our Lord of the Rings trilogy. Yep. Lord of the Tree Rings, excuse me. Yes. Um, and we've we've made it. I feel I, I'm, I'm ready. We're stepping into Mordor. Yeah. We're finally walking into Mordor. Yeah. You know, this episode actually, it does feel, it, it feels like this is going to be us walking into Mordor. Yeah. I'm weary. We've never recorded this much in a row. I truly no. feel like a hero like Fro- Frodo. <laughs> I feel Okay, I hope that then I'm the hero like Sam, which as I've made very clear well, before, is the actual hero of Lord of the Rings, the series. I basically disagree. I know, but that's all right. Not, everyone's, uh, not everyone can be right all the time. Alex. We all have our theories, Casey. We all have our cones, and each is Sam. Wow. can you tell i'm faking it (laughs) all right what is alex when did i get here today you got to my house at about 10 o'clock yeah and it is now 5 55 yes it's about 6 p.m yeah so it's been a long day we've now officially been 12 hours uh no huh (laughs) (laughs) about eight hours (laughs) yes eight hours which is for us the longest work day. I know, right? Like, <laughs> oh, know. boohoo us. Yeah, everyone's like, you started at 10, crash the river. Yes, I got at the mill at 5 a.m. <laughs> I know, well, sorry. Um, Casey, we have a great topic today that I'm very excited to sort of just uh, 
just chat about with you. Yeah. That's sort of the premise of this episode is yeah. just you and I chatting about something. Mordor is the daytime talk show episode for us. Yes, that's right. Uh, I am Sally Jesse Raphael. <laughs> and, <laughs> and, and I you are... am Ellen DeGeneres. Oh. Ellen DeGeneres. Not a good look right not, now. Oh, it's not? No. Oh, shoot. Okay. Ellen's I, I, bad now. Dang it. Ellen's been canceled. Shit. Um, I'm Maori. No, also bad. Maury's canceled too? Oh, 100%. Shit. Who else is there? How about... Um, oh, Oprah. Is Oprah canceled? I can't be Oprah. Who can be? I can't I can't do that. You couldn't handle being Oprah. I couldn't Oprah. handle No. It's like you step into her body and uh-huh. your mind explodes yeah. because how does that woman do it? She's incredible. You become the universe. <laughs> She's reached. She is singularity. Casey, we're talking about an interesting tree this week, first of all. Yeah. We are talking about Stewardia. That is right. A tree that I've never heard of. However, it plays wonderfully into our theme for a few different reasons it does uh when we first were conceiving these episodes Mm -hmm. we wanted to pick a tree for each movie that represented that movie slash book in us in a in a proper way something that had to do with with it you know yes it's not uh you can't draw straight lines but you know you can you can draw fuzzy kind of like clouds around it yes and for our fellowship episode we talked about the uh the oak Yep, the pedunculate oak mm-hmm. because of Hobbiton, and it's very it's very Hobbit like tree, yeah. Hobbiton like tree, Shire like. Uh, for our two towers episode, we talked about uh, real life Fangorn Forest and the Norway spruce. Yep. Here at the end of all things, Return of the King, we we go to Gondor in this story. Yes, we do. And Gondor has a has a tree built in. Uh, the Easy. White Tree of Gondor, which we're going to talk about later. But you and I read some references. We did mm-hmm. some research. Yep. And you landed on this tree because you believe that this is about as close as we can to a, find to a, uh, as a one-to-one with a real-life tree and the White Tree of Gondor. I think so. Okay. I, I'm not going to promise that. Uh, so everyone's just going to have to take that from what it is. But the White Tree of Gondor is a it's it's its architecture is delicate yet clearly firm the tree is not a big tree it's not massive it's somewhat small you can yeah. see that it has not huge leaves it's buds kind of uh rather it's twigs kind of come down to a smaller sort of point like there it's, it's a very delicate looking tree mm-hmm. um in sort of texture so and we read somewhere that it grows, uh, that at one time it would grow white flowers, yes. right? Yes, yeah, 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 That yeah, was yeah. a big part of it. That is true. Um, so our initial thought was, well, okay, that, that could be like a, a, a dogwood, maybe. Mm-hmm. And I was like, well, yeah, but a dogwood, a dogwood doesn't have the same kind of sort of upright kind of open canopy. Dogwoods, as they grow, if it's the Pacific one, it's going to be like this big massive thing that's very uh, columnar as, as like a, a shape. It looks like a... Um, one of those thunderclouds that just kind of builds on top of itself and oh, looks like yeah. it's really tall. Oh, I love those. Yeah, that's more of a Pacific dogwood. The The eastern flowering dogwood is one that is very uh, circular and round. Like mm-hmm. It becomes a very nice little globe on the top. Um, but the Stewardia, and specifically, we're looking at Stewardia pseudocamellia. Wow. And that is a tree that is has these beautiful, understated white flowers with a perfect yellow center. 
It's in the T family, so it looks really similar to the camellia, also in the T family. Mm. Of course, in this case, they call it the uh, this is the pseudo camellia, so it's a um, false camellia because it looks like it in terms of flowers, but they're just a little bit different. But the stewardia is. Um, it, it's in the, at least the tea family, and it has these um, the shape of the crown of the the plant as you step back. It, it doesn't have a central leader. It kind of immediately splits into several smaller limbs, mm-hmm. uh, grown in the open. And as it splits into these smaller stems and limbs, it kind of becomes this this very open-shaped tree where it kind of creates uh, individual branches that come out as they kind of get bigger and older, as opposed to one big uniform crown. It's kind of slightly irregular in terms of the large look of it, but once you get closer in, everything is really, really regular. So it's kind of one of those things where, uh, you know how like some rock stars have like messy hair, but it looks really nice. Right. It's like design, uh, uh, um, what was that phrase you came up with? Something chaos. Ooh. Oh, it's, did I say controlled chaos? Controlled chaos. No, it wasn't chaos. Oh, shoot. I never remember these But do you remember what I'm saying? I do remember what you're saying. Designed to look chaotic. Yeah, that was the beech tree, I think, is when we discussed that. Mm. Um, So it is, yes, it's very similar to that. It has that that same appearance as the beech, but way smaller, proportional in every way. Yeah. Not to mention it has the same kind of beautiful smooth bark as a beech. Yes. But it peels and flakes off. There we go. Oh, my God. The bark is probably my favorite part of this tree. Well, Casey, we haven't gotten to that yet. Sorry, I know. Now I'm just like waxing poetic. You leapfrogger. Anyway, that is why we chose the... <laughs> that's why leapfrogger. <laughs> that was good. Uh, that's why we chose this tree. Yes. I, w- through many years of research, we came ac- across... We came upon this answer. Yeah, we've been looking like for years, just mm-hmm. like uh, Mr. Meyer. I was going to say in that library that Gandalf goes to. Oh, yes. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. By the, candlelight. In the Citadel. Ooh, in the bottom of the... In the basement. Oh, my God. Yeah, Gross. Uh, Casey, let's imagine as we do every episode that you and I are walking through the courtyard at the top of Minas Tirith, and we come mm. across this Stewardia. It's <sighs> canon now, okay? Wow. The White Tree of Gondor is a Stewardia. Yeah, it's not canon in this. It's canon in the Lord of the Rings. Yes, yeah. yes. We now own the Tolkien estate. <laughs> uh, Casey, let's ID this tree. All right. So as we discussed, the the crown of it looks like this this sort of open branching uh, this open branching crown, and everything is well spaced. When they're young, the main stems kind of grow up, and then curve over like this because the the buds come out alternately arranged so as they come up uh the 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 main stem like sometimes the the twig on the left will actually grow and become the main leader and the main stem will kind of start growing out to the right and become a little bit more of a of a a lateral branch interesting and then it kind of keeps on doing this as the tree gets bigger so you end up getting this these kinds of young trees that have this very like like the stems look like they're kinked going up almost like they're a snake slithering upward yeah exactly and then so you get that beginning but then as the crown gets older and bigger those main limbs kind of all subsume or all not subsumed they all kind of take dominance to a certain degree so you get this big rounded crown and they're not very big trees like in in the sense of like how big they are from afar 40 feet massive tree 
Wow. Yeah, they're really, really kind of small little little trees. I like that. And they, as you get closer, you'll you'll start seeing the leaves, and the leaves are are utility leaves. There's nothing really specific, totally. specific about them. Um, but what they do have going for them is they have. Uh, a light green, mostly there's like little teeny tiny serrations along the edge, and they tend to be somewhat cup-like, so they, they will bend upwards around the, the central um, mid-vein in the leaf. Yeah. Ever so slightly, and the rest of the veins that laterally come off will be kind of indented a little bit in mm. the leaf blade. And this is pretty common in a lot of little plants or little uh, little tree leaves. But what's cool about this one is that they're really obvious. So as soon as you see it, you're like, okay, there's these little serrations. It kind of has that little bend. These leaf or the the veins are kind of uh, almost inset into the the leaf itself. Mm-hmm. And then of course you'll see the flower buds growing in between them. So it almost looks like like a, a pearl inside of a clamshell. Wow. Where there's this little perfect like light green whitish bud with the leaves or the petals just peeking through the outside like the globe is, uh, it's like a um, uh, a cabbage or something where it's mm-hmm. just kind of opening up and you can just kind of see the whiteness. That's very pretty. Inside these little green things. It's really a stunning tree. A little hidden gem. Yeah, exactly. Then of course, as those flower buds open, shaboom, you get this like wavy, feathery, like just gorgeously fringed white petals. Yeah, these petals are um they cut maybe just cuz I'm on this on this clam kick. Yeah. But they look a bit like the inside of a clam shell. That I, kind of yeah. pearly white kind of uh, feathered edge. Yeah, pearly white is perfect example or yeah, perfect they're, descriptor. They're very very beautiful flowers. Yeah, and then they have this like orange like really dark orange um, interior where the pistons and the stamen are and those are covered in pollen and bees love them so they just get covered in or any pollinator they just get covered in all of the uh the pollen and everything because they're this dark orange color they just vibrantly stand out Mm. the the white on the green the orange inside the white they're really spectacular in that regard but then uh, they end up making this fruit, which is ironically not not that great. Like it doesn't it doesn't like finish it, you know. Yeah, let's talk about that fruit. Well, imagine a um, imagine like you you have this this production, this whole ballet that's put on. <laughs> uh-huh. The the bark, as I noted earlier, is like very smooth, but it kind of pops off and and has this mottled, almost camouflage effect to it. Last uh, the last episode we talked about the um, the rainbow um, eucalyptus. eucalyptus. Yeah, it's really similar to that. It's like it has, a monochromatic rainbow eucalyptus. Yes, exactly. But it's so gorgeous, like in these really intense earth tones. So you start with this bark, you build onto this next. You have this <laughs> crescendo with these leaves opening up with these flowers, and then all of a sudden the crescendo crescends, and you get this next little perfect like wow, it's this beautiful flower, uh-huh. and then you the flower opens up and the dancer inside is like a dog tearing apart like i don't know some toy and it doesn't even know it's there and you're like oh my god what is happening the dog just ripping apart it's like the dog just came out of a pond it's kind of got guck all over it and you're just like what is what that does not match with what i was expecting a a real anticlimactic ending quite anticlimactic the opposite of return of the king yes exactly but uh, it's not that bad maybe that was a maybe i went a little extreme there but it, it ends up being like this hard um four uh four or five cylindered i think there's i think there's five 
four. There's it's a a dry capsule that kind of looks like a a dried rosebud or something like that. Yeah, it's kind of lame. Yeah, it's kind of lame. It just doesn't have it. Like the everything else about this tree is like spectacular. The the foliage uh, during fall turns like a vibrant red, like a thorough red. Wow. And then <laughs> then it just is left with this like uh, essentially like dehiscent dried up like capsule that just kind of is like and uh, you know i don't want to i don't want to tip to my i don't want to tip my hat to my score later okay but i don't even think it needs a flashy fruit ah okay like so but i will see. say if this thing grew a mango it'd be a perfect 10 like. <laughs> yeah that's that's fair but yeah well the buds also are really nice the buds are kind of these long these long things the whole tree is just built for elegance in my opinion yeah it's a it's a it's a classy tree yeah i think it's classy so I'll, well I, I agree we'll give it the pass on the fruit the fruit is is nothing spectacular but it has its own you know ID characteristics so you know during the winter time you don't even need to get close sure so you know give it a thumbs up for that this tree is is Ana de Armas is what Ana de Armas she was in Knives Out she she plays the the she's the um the ah caretaker oh okay gotcha gotcha I know who you're talking about then that throws up when she lies yeah which is such a funny thing like I know I love that <laughs> it's just a silly plot that's a good device. film yeah it is another Daniel Craig he's everywhere yeah. in these episodes how about wow, that look at that best accent too very very uh very northeastern I was gonna say <laughs> yeah well, okay <laughs> <laughs> um Casey, we have some uh we have some interesting things to talk about. Yes, we sure do. Uh, involving the white tree of Gondor and specimen trees. Exactly. Of which the uh the Stuardia is a great example of what this whole idea is. Yes. Many well times. a well chosen tree for this episode, Casey. Right. And how about an ad from our well-chosen sponsors? Oh. We'll be right back with more Completely Arbitrary. I think it's an ad for us. <laughs> VR training platforms like the one developed by Fundamental VR and Orbis International are helping surgeons train over and over before operating on real patients. As you practice each skill, the muscle memory starts to develop. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverseimpact. Welcome back to Completely Arbitrary, the podcast about trees and other related topics. That's us. <laughs> Oops, I went into autopilot there for a second, Casey. Hey, I thought that was good. I thought I like it. <clears throat> Usually I don't I only say that in the beginning. I yeah, that's true, wow. but you know what? I just to make sure that everyone knows just in case someone's like, "What are you listening to?" Oh, and then we say it immediately, Yeah, you know? yeah. How many times have you been um like listening to uh, a radio show, like an interview or something on the radio, and uh-huh. then uh, you sit down, you're like, oh, who, who is this? What are we saying? And then just right then, they're this like- This is fresh air. Yeah, if you're just tuning in, we're talking with, and you're like, oh, yes, yeah. thank you. It always makes my day when that happens, it, I think, which is often. And podcasting's a little different because you control- you know, yes, yeah. the dial, if, it's as true. it were. Yeah, but I also still do have to admit, I like just to say- now, if you're just joining us, even though I assume you've been with us the whole time. I like that. Yeah, thanks. It's funny. Yeah, all right. I'm glad everyone else thinks it's funny, too. <laughs> yes, everyone else being me. <laughs> um, Casey, today we're talking Stewardia. Yes, sir. In honor of uh, the white tree of Gondor, the yep. tree that grows in Minas Tirith in yes. Gondor in Lord of the Rings. Das is right. Um, and we're going to discuss specifically the idea and the philosophy behind 
Specimen trees. Correct. Now, would you please define specimen tree for anyone listening who doesn't know? Yes. So, a specimen tree is a tree that is it's a very it's a broad kind of term mm-hmm. which is a bit of a coverall and can have a, anyone can make their own definition but the definition that i usually go with is a tree that is planted in order to be uh, a big like splash of a of an existent thing in a garden so in if you have a or not even a garden just in a landscape it is meant to be a uh, the prime thing that you see the the big deal the 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 giant specimen that sit right in the middle everything else around it is pushed away it is the thing that draws your eye it's the stunner yeah in the front in the main center center stage that kind of stuff can i ask you this yeah and if if, if you know or not but are, are there certain cultures uh tree cultures around the world that value specimen trees more than others like are oh the the i'm going to say japanese cuz i know yeah. japanese are are kind of revolutionary gardeners uh, the Japanese are great at specimen tree, or they they kind of started this whole thing. Or, yeah, uh, is it the Japanese? I was going to give you that as an example. Oh, okay. Yes, but it is it is more than that. Where specimen trees um, historically would have been done like if they if the Japanese made a garden, they would have a specimen tree in the middle of their garden to, that means something. So this tree represents like um, the the idea of some gardens. They they make you walk around it the whole time. You kind of spiral in. Oh, okay. And then once you get to the middle, there's this big, like, gorgeous bagouge of a tree. Yeah. And you're like, whoa, I've been building up to that this whole time. Get your bagouge merch at yeah. arbitrarypod.com. <laughs> exactly, yeah. <laughs> I love that. You use that noise for so many different things. Yeah, I do. And I never bagoosh. even I never thought about it till I did it on this show. And you're like, what What was that sound again? And I was like, oh, I, 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 don't, own, I don't know. I it's, just, it's the Crows and Stump of Approval sound soundtrack. <laughs> it is, yeah. It's the same thing. Uh, I think it's pronounced, it's spelled B apostrophe G-O-O-S-H. Yeah, that's right. Or S-C-H. Bagoosh. I think it's S-C-H. Yeah. yeah. I think you, someday I hope someone does a long, uh, a long cut and just does every sound that we make you know <laughs> we'll see what happens uh okay so yeah it's 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 meant to be in the center of a, a place it is a centerpiece draws yeah. your eye uh-huh okay yeah and it's it's the main attraction right um but at least that's kind of normally what it could be um some other people have specimen trees that are planted in a collection where you have certain kinds of trees maybe they're all the same species maybe they all have a certain color maybe it's like an arboretum an arboretum is nothing but specimen trees most of the time oh interesting they want to show off these collections of trees so each one is in and of itself a specimen tree sure um, but you can also consider a specimen tree, some random tree that you planted in the middle of your yard where there's mm. nothing else there. You have green grass that you just douse with fertilizer and you mow every day. Okay. And then you get this one tree right there. In the middle. Yeah, bagoosh. That's my, I was going to say bagoosh right in the middle, but it's not really a, a bagoosh tree. That's just more like a, eh, I don't care. Just throw it there because we have to plant a tree here. The code says so. And that tree like is going to be like uh that tree is going to be like a cherry yeah or <laughs> a red maple a red maple or a dogwood something like that yeah. yeah so that that is another example of a specimen tree so you have this spectrum of like uh purposefulness sure um there is a, a an article that we'll, we'll have a post to on the website um or not an article it's a uh 
uh, it's a, a list. It's a, a place. It looks like the website's called Gardentia, I think is the best Gardentia. way to do it. Or like a Gardensia, maybe. That sounds like a place in a Middle Earth. Yeah, it is. It, Gardenista is actually what it is. Uh, excuse me. And it looks like it's a it's a gardening firm or like a, an, a, a some kind of design firm or, you know, I, I'm calling it propaganda. It's propaganda for what a specimen tree is. Wow. And it, this is a, it is an article by, uh, her name is Kristen Grannon, and this is published in 2018. And there's some great examples. Like I read through it and I was kind of like, okay, I just want to see what they're saying. And I was like, actually, this is, this is pretty good. But they are, they're planted up. Specimen trees are, are in this case, a very good thing, but they, they really have a large, um, landscape slash architectural slash landscape architectural um, view on what they are. So if you scroll down, it has a bunch of pictures and one is this courtyard with this gorgeous big live oak growing in it. And it looks like it's in somewhere in California. And this is like the definition of a specimen tree yeah. where it is clearly the dominant like structural thing in this courtyard. Like it even makes the house look like it means nothing. And that draws your eye and it's got this really interesting architecture. It covers the whole space. Like I would love to have that as a specimen tree in my backyard every day of the week. It's really beautiful. I mean like, yeah, I think when choosing a specimen tree, yeah, <clears throat> you really want to view the space you're in mm-hmm. and find some, uh, find some, and I, and I'm, I started this with the cadence of a joke, but really, <laughs> I mean, like I'm, I would be kind of interested in like recommending trees for specimen trees in a certain, oh, in any God. given space. Yeah. I feel like I could be, I feel like I could be pretty good at that. It's yeah. a vibe. You know? It is. Like, it's totally a vibe. And this is what takes, so the reason that I probably failed as a landscape architect is because I don't really carry that like, the the creative artistic sort of side of me as much as I think I probably should to be a good one. See, Casey, between the two of us, yeah, we, I feel like we could have a good little business going. And Alex, you are you are portraying what we're going to be kind of leading into in a little wow. bit, which is the uh, the utilitarian or the realistic side of what does a tree need and how do trees grow? A Casey. Exactly. Versus what looks beautiful and pretty and has the effect that we want to have and create. An Alex. Now, a lot of people will just look at the Alex side of that equation. Sure. The Alex side of that equation, though the potential is very high, Oftentimes, the reality is that dog that is shaking the dirty toy after just jumping out of a murky pond. Right. Where you're like, oh, I thought that this was going to be a gorgeous, beautiful wedding dress. Instead, it is this this musty, mucky mutt. <laughs> wow, episode title. Yeah, there you um, go. <laughs> Specimen uh, trees. <laughs> um, you know, you know, yeah, I, I, I think like it's probably to me I'm I'm guessing it's probably like as far as importance yeah on that ratio of practicality to beauty uh-huh. it should probably be like 80 20 yeah it, like exactly. what is the point of all this beautiful stuff if it all dies and conflicts with each other and exactly makes every other plant sick yeah if it just or if that tree's constantly sick the whole time anyway yeah. and it just looks like shit yeah so this is my big thing as, as you're going down in this in this uh, gardenista article they have everything from gigantic fig trees to topiary and gigantic um, phoenix palms and things like this growing all over the place and then some pine trees that are 
are really beautiful. So go through it. And the thing is, they talk about all the stuff that you need to hit on. How do I choose one? Uh, uh, let's talk about topiary, which, right. Jesus, I, don't make me gag. I hate topiary. Oh, wow. I just, I, I get it. It's kind of, it's fun. I like it as a novelty. But as soon as you take it too seriously, I'm just like, oh, my God. It's a, it's a boxwood that you shaped into a spiral circle. Get over yourself. <laughs> That's what I feel. So that is like that. These are all like this broad spectrum of a of a specimen tree. Or in in a garden, they really stand out because the garden usually has a lot of small stuff, and then all of a sudden there's like this big vagouge, yeah, of a massive Vagouge. big tree that is like really stating this is a landmark this is a place to walk to and around like it draws you over to it and under it totally so it is literally like a a uh, mechanism that in if it's used correctly and you get this big gorgeous thing it will pull you through as mm. like you know draw you the japanese garden uh, that i was talking about that style where like it is uh it's hidden from view in its entirety until you get to one spot and then you have the whole thing that is really effective. That's a perfect specimen tree. I mean, that's like an experience. Yeah. That's an experience tree. It is. And then the same thing with like these courtyards or um, a small, you have a small yard. It's like I could either plant a bunch of, you know, small trees that won't do really great or one big tree or something anywhere in the middle. Now, if you just take one perfectly gorgeous tree and you let it grow up but you take really good care of it and it covers your entire backyard uh-huh. and it creates this canyon canopy where you're just like wow i'm really comfortable here like this is a nice open space it's like when you go into a big open room with high ceilings but like also low enough elements that you feel like you're like in a comfortable spot you just want to sit down and chill yeah that is a perfect specimen tree over a courtyard or something like that Mm -hmm. and then there are the the ways that we actually plant trees as specimen trees this is like the perfect situation someone had a great idea 50 years ago 60 80 years ago they did this it was well taken care of or it was someone whose eyes or or who like i'm gonna i pay a landscape architect to have the 30-year vision to make this happen and then there are the people who are like i think a dogwood is pretty i'm gonna plant a dogwood (laughs) right slam a dogwood in the ground (laughs) plant it six inches too deep and don't realize that you planted it in the in the the literal definition of a desert and you're just Uh like that tree dies why does my dogwood always look so awful like i'm victim of this i did this me and my mom both like dogwoods it's her favorite tree i have it tattooed on me right here yeah we planted one in a place and we did not water it the way we should and it's looked like hell every day since every year it's still alive it's still alive but just but it looks like shit yeah i should have been watering that 600 times more but i didn't know i i didn't know i want to suddenly defend a group of people here please do and it's a little it's a little bit uh i think i'm being a little bit contrary okay a bit of a, a bit of a contrarian but not everybody knows the things that arborists yes. know about landscape design you're right and you know uh a sweet old, a sweet, I almost said old middle-aged. Wow. <laughs> Sorry, everyone. Old middle-aged. What, like 46? <laughs> I'm 16 all of a sudden. I think if you're 30, you're dead. <laughs> um, a middle-aged, you know, woman living in um, Tempe, Arizona yeah. might 
just might have grown up with dogwoods, doesn't know a fucking thing about trees, but it reminds her of her grandmother and she plants it in her yard and it dies. Yeah, there you go. Right. Uh, I'm, of course, editorializing and sensationalizing <laughs> this pro- this non-prop, this non-troversy. I don't even know if you could buy a dogwood in Tempe, Arizona. <laughs> well, you have it shipped in, Casey. Okay, there you go. Um, but no, I... I uh, I, I suddenly feel I suddenly feel a, a sense of you know uh, a, a sense of um, hey it's not their fault that's fair like somebody living in the suburbs who doesn't know a thing about trees but just wants a special tree in the middle of their yard because that's what you do because yeah. it's a nice look so I think I, th- I I you're good to defend I think because that's the right idea I think maybe I'm biased towards the the people who feel who are like forced to do this where they have an opportunity in uh-huh. front of them and they, I think of mostly like the codes of the Portland building you know code where it's like you have to plant X amount of trees because trees are important but they leave because because it's just another box you have to check, the developers who are doing this, they loathe it. Like if you say, hey, you have to put a roof on your on your house, it's code, they're going to be like, oh, you're making me put a goddamn roof on my house? Sure. And it's like, you guys are just, they're so awful. They hate guidelines. Exactly. And I'm sorry, I know I'm generalizing, but promise me, or I promise you, if you go <laughs> and talk, to, like you get involved in this, this is how people feel. Meet the bare minimum requirements to get the highest paycheck, the shittiest, cheapest trees, plant them wherever meets definition, and then move on to the next thing. Yeah. Those that's that's my like experience that mostly I have to deal with. Sure. And And that's fine. I, I, I see yeah, that your yeah. your opinion is based on your real world experience right? with these people. And but you also are good to, to say, hey, that's not the idea every experience. Mm-hmm. The one difference is the people who are doing this, like, hey, I really want to plant a dogwood. They would probably go to a local nursery, or maybe they'd go to a Home Depot. Which, if I could, real fast plug: don't ever go to Home Depot wow. for your plants. Go anywhere else, any native, not even native, just a local nursery for sure. Because they will have their finger on the pulse of what actually works and what works well. Then Alex and they take care of their plants. Yes, gen- most of the time, ideally, they at least should. Right? I, I have, I have, I have bought most of my house plants from like local small uh, yeah. uh, plant stores. Mm-hmm. And then I've bought a couple from like Ikea. Yeah. And the Ikea ones, uh, without fail, have all fucking died. And they just they don't do And well. look like shit and have never grown an inch in yeah. their life. They're, it's because that is a factory farm for plants. Yes. Whereas, and, I guess, you know, other places, they're still factory farms. So, you know. And then every every plant I've ever gotten from Solibees has been has just like thrived in yeah. this home. So if we can plug real fast, Solibees, go to Solibees. Yeah, go to Solibees. Yeah. Um, God, I really want them to want to advertise on our show. We, we talk about them so often. Well, we haven't we haven't asked them if they want to. Oh so that's the first shoot! Step. Yeah. Anyway, yeah. They well, that is the right move. Like they they do good work, and the I keep praying that they'll get in touch with us. Yeah. Who listens to it? It's Who just not working. <laughs> they, yeah. Well. Dang it. God has yet to answer my prayers for a Solaby advertisement. Get there. Gandalf is going to go talk to him, okay? I wish. We have to look to the east in three days. If Ian McKellen walked into your plant store and asked <laughs> and insisted that you run an ad on this podcast, <laughs> how would you say no? You can't. <laughs> oh, that's brilliant. Oh, God. Okay, where were we? I don't fucking know. Plants, the specimen trees. Yes. Don't go to Home Depot. <clears throat> 
go to a local nursery. Yeah. And the reason is, is if you are this this person in Tempe, Arizona, you say, hey, my grandmother really liked dogwood trees. I really want to plant a dogwood tree. They're going to look at you and be like, there's no possible way you can plant a dogwood tree here in Tempe, Arizona. Yeah. However, let me take you down to the aisle where we do have trees that do grow here really well. And if they even know a quarter of something about the plants that they're selling, then someone is going to be able to tell you well, what's what's your soil like? Or I mean, if you're in the desert, they're gonna be like, "Oh, you, you live in the desert. Let's we got this." Yeah. So they're able to help direct you towards what it is uh, and what the conditions are. Uh, rather, they know the conditions, so they're able to direct you towards a tree that does well in those conditions. Mm-hmm. If we take it outside of Tempe and we move it up to somewhere like Oregon, where the condition ranges going west to east are vastly different, but then also yeah. inside that area, it's vastly different. You could be at the valley bottom in the Willamette Valley, where essentially you get a bunch of rain that becomes bone dry for the rest of the year you could be in a forested section you could be over in the east where it's bone dry all year except for maybe a little bit in the spring Mm -hmm. so all those different little things if you are in a area that has more clay or it's more sandy or the soils are a certain thing you can end up getting a situation where you're planting the right tree in the right place or you're planting the wrong tree in the right place or the wrong place. So someone says, I have a yard, I want to plant a tree. I'm like, well, great, here you go. Let me give you one quick example that's relative to our Stewardia, Pseudocamellia. Okay. Otherwise known as the, as the Japanese Stewardia. We might have not been clear about that. Oh, wow. Best in light shade, at least uh, at least in hottest part of summer. It wants to be in light shade. Prefers moist, cool, humus-rich, slightly acidic soil with good drainage. Now, Sounds a lot like Casey Clapp. It sounds exactly like me. I want to be in light shade. I want to have my toes dug into this humus. When you're when you're looking for a new apartment, you ask the you ask the landlady, "How's the drainage?" Yeah, how's the drainage? Is there humus in the soil? I really need humus. <laughs> I don't know what that means. Yeah. Uh, yes. Oh, yeah. Definitely. So it's uh, it, it, that is like the Stewardia is known to be a tree that really likes cush conditions okay when it gets those cush conditions it just crushes it that's more of an alex type then (laughs) yeah exactly yeah and then look at you you're crushing it the great conditions though for exactly what you're looking for humus rich well-drained slightly acidic moist cool yeah not too hot not too not too cold okay then but we humans have decided in our grand vision of the way things should be these small little things that have to do with what this tree needs to survive doesn't really matter. Just put it in the dirt. Make sure you give it some water and call it good. Sure. So that is what happens so often. And that is the biggest qualm that I have with specimen trees is that a lot of times the landscape architecture or architect has this vision of what it could be and then plants a tree that will not make that vision a reality. Right. Whether or not it is a, uh, it's the right size tree, or there's another piece of infrastructure that's causing trouble. Um, this happens all the time in like uh, uh, architectural renderings of big buildings. This has happened to me in Portland often, where they they have this big gigantic building that they're gonna put in someplace. Mm-hmm. And they make this gorgeous like 
you know, watercolor-like, you know, drawing of it. And then they put these big trees next to it that are, I, you, I've literally had to go in this much detail previously where I counted up the levels, uh, the stories of how tall those trees were rendered on this drawing. Yeah. It's a computer drawing. So it's it's it looks real, but it looks really detailed, but like still sketch-like. Hmm. And so I count up, I'm like, okay, so that goes between the third and fourth story. And then I go out on site and there's power lines around the whole thing. <laughs> And all the power lines are going to stay there. And I'm like, this is a completely falsified vision of what this could look like. Yeah. It cannot look like it. I've asked, you're not moving these power lines. Therefore, this will be no taller than 25 or 30 feet. So 25 or 30 feet takes us maybe up to the first, uh, the second story. Uh-huh. That's it. So this grand looking thing that these, you know, people are really trying to sell you on is just not reality. And then sometimes they try to pop in. They're like, uh, you're like, well, we have to plant trees anyway. So that's great. Okay. Well, what trees are we going to plant? Let's plant these, these nice dogwood trees and these, this, this story and these uh, snowbells and all these like trees that are supposed to be beautiful. And everyone's likes a big, beautiful flowery tree as a specimen tree planted in front of their whatever. But then all these trees all those three trees that I just named prefer to be in cush environments, just like what we described just now for the Stuartia. And like right next to a building in the gravel is not it's not going to because that yeah and it's been completely compacted they brought in some soil that's like you know soil it's it's dead inert stuff that just has the the definition of like clay and sand and and organic matter casey put soil in air quotes yeah i did and and so then you plant these trees here and you're like yeah it's gonna be beautiful this is a stewardia it's gonna be a big gorgeous beautiful tree it's gonna be like a ballet happening in front of your eyes all season it's like no it's gonna die in two years promise you here's my proposal and maybe this is already the case casey okay case case yeah these people should work in pairs yes they should have one practical super tree knowledge person yep and one pie in the sky artsy creative type i think that would be perfect and they work in tandem man to see those two like get together that is the the quintessential like rift between landscape architects and arborists oh there you go yeah in fact arborists constantly make fun of landscape architects because they have these ideas and they're like yeah sure plant this right here it's going to be beautiful it's going to be just perfect and then we go and we look at it and we're like you haven't you, the soil the soil won't even support a rhododendron right you, you want to plant this tree you know so you're you're right, but one of it the might things, cause some fun drama. Oh, know. it would honestly. That's going to be like the uh, 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 the odd couple. Yes, kind of like the odd couples firm. The, <laughs> this the is show no one would watch. <laughs> yeah, it's the least interesting <laughs> yeah. sitcom idea ever. Well, the other thing with this is that I think those um, those pragmatic people and the um, the landscape architecture folks, if they just take a step away from flowers. Flowers are beautiful. Huh. They're just gorgeous and lovely. Uh -huh. But you remember when I, I took you to that site, and everyone else, go to the website, go to this episode, click on uh, that first link that says tree propaganda or specimen tree propaganda. That is this Gardensia, or I'm sorry, Gardenista. And that first tree, that oak tree, has zero flowers. It is a evergreen yeah. live oak, which grows in this beautiful fashion. So that tree is not a specimen tree because of the flowers. It's a specimen tree because of the shape and the architecture and the capaciousness of its yes. canopy in this specific spot. 
Totally. That is the same you can do for a bunch of other trees where you could have a red maple as a specimen tree, but please, dear God, don't do it. Have any other tree. But you you can have a tree that is a specimen tree for a bunch of other gorgeous, gorgeous, lovely reasons. Yeah. And the reason why I'm bringing this up is because, as, as we're noting, have these two people work together. Alex, I will take you through October 5th, 2001, uh, blooming backyard, uh, the 12 best specimen trees, shrubs, and plants to bring focus and attention. 2001? 2001 is when this came, sorry, 2021 is when it came out. And they have a quick little bit like, what is a specimen tree? Growing living art. And there's like a Japanese maple and some other things and they're just, they have some topiary and some uh, spellier trees, you know, you remember that? They're trees that grow and they they take the branches and they put them perfectly level, like on the side of a wall or something. Yes. Yeah, it's called a spellier. Spellier. And then uh, and then you go down and uh, they're giving some examples of what trees to do. They show a monkey puzzle tree, some uh, some cactus, and then when they really get down to it, they give you a list of trees that you can do. The first one is a weeping larch. Beautiful. Great. Mm. How big is that tree going to get? Almost not big at all. It's weeping. It stays very, very small. Okay. Then they have a couple other weeping varieties of trees that I don't support, like a Betula pendula, the weeping birch. The tree's already weeping. It's in the name. Yet they're planting these weird, wacky trees that aren't going to get big at all. They're going to look really funny. And Wait, then it what goes- is- Hold on. Oh, Alex. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> We've been doing this too long. <laughs> I feel like you need to whack me with something. <laughs> Casey's going off. Bring him back. That's literally the only way for me to for me to interrupt was to yell at you. I'm yeah. so sorry. No, it's okay. I was I was just running through these as fast as I could. When you said when you said it's already in the name, what does that mean? Betula pendula is right. a scientific name. Uh-huh. Pendula pendulous. The tree, as it grows up, has uh-huh. pendulous branches that hang down. So it's just weeping once. No, it's a, there is a weeping variety of, of this tree. Of Betula pendula, of a weeping yes. tree. Okay, so Casey it's like is a showing weeping, weeping tree. <laughs> it looks like it's upside down. It does. It, yeah. it looks like it's growing toward the ground. It's weeping so hard. It is. That is exactly what <clears> it's doing. <throat> wow. And so that is... It looks so bad. It does. And so these are not going to be big, gorgeous specimen tree. Yeah. Birches are going to die in 30 seconds from bronze birch borer. The weeping... Uh, Norway spruce that we just covered. It's a lovely, wacky little thing. But again, like, yeah. plant this like on the side of your doorway. <laughs> like it's not a specimen tree. It's gonna take decades if you keep on pulling it upright so that it, it like lignifies upright. Well, it's like a, a bunch of trees that are like melting. Yeah. It that's exactly <clears throat> what it is. And those are the first three. Then the next one are uh the smoke bush which is a small little tree that has these big smoky things. Uh, it basically, it, it looks like the flowers are like little puffs of smoke at the uh, end of it, Okay, which is really pretty. I've never seen one that has this purple color that grows in any way shapely and beautiful. Yeah. They are just, they look like um, a bunch of clouds that then sprout truffle trees and then tip over. Wow. Yeah. Is that beautiful or what? (laughs) Gorgeous. What a specimen. Right? And then they have magnolias. I love magnolias. Beautiful, beautiful big flowers. And this one that they show is not even in a specimen location. It's tucked into a little grove of trees. And if you plant a magnolia, holy shit. 
can it be a stunning, gorgeous thing? Yeah. But magnolias constantly are planted in places that are way too hot for them, and they don't get very big. They stay really small. So you get that one burst, great. I like the magnolia. I think a magnolia would be a wonderful specimen tree. Yeah. That is probably the top one. The next one is the burning bush, Euonymus allotus. I hate this. Tr- this is just the worst shrub. You know, I guess I guess the word specimen doesn't imply beauty. It doesn't, but... Quasimodo it's, was yeah. a specimen. <laughs> yeah. Okay, there you go. I think that's ironic use of the term, sir. But then, you know what? They also say arborvita is a good option. The wow. U. They call it arborvita, too. They do. And not then, the uh, northern white cedar? Yeah, not Eastern the northern white, white cedar. cedar. They call it arborvita. Okay. So this is, I, this is why it's also propaganda, is that the, the term specimen tree has been co-opted. If it's used as someone who's looking at your space, they decide what it should be, and they say, yes, you have your space. You go talk to someone, and you can come to an agreement. What would work best for what you're going for? Yeah. Then you can come up with some great specimen trees. Used correctly, the right tree, the right place, in the right way. Oh, my God, it's <clears throat> stunning. Yeah used in the wrong way because you are looking through like best specimen trees from my front yard and you go to this blooming backyards website and you're like oh that's really nice i could plant a you and you have to wait 500 years for that you to become a <laughs> specimen tree so you're a little behind i'll plant a major oak yeah right so it's like it's like uh people you go to home depot and you go to these places where they're just going to sell you these dumb cherry trees which again cherry trees spectacular for 30 seconds of the year right then they're just kind of who cares and they look awful if you don't take proper exact care of them because they're just really persnickety trees Mm -hmm. you plant a stewardia in the wrong place it's going to shrivel up and die because it is not a tree that wants to be challenged it is a tree that wants the kush it wants to be there give it it it's going to just be like hmm now that you say all this, Casey, about the Stuartia linking a lush lifestyle, yeah, <clears throat> um, I don't, I don't think the white tree of Gondor is a Stuartia. Well, that thing is at a fucking two thousand foot evolution. <laughs> er, evolution. <laughs> now, what's the word I'm thinking of? Elevation. Ele- elevation. Jesus. Um, so I thought about this. That thing is in the mountains. Yes. In the cold, hard wind. Mm-hmm. What's the deal, Case? I guess it's a dead tree is the is the whole point of the white tree of Gondor. That is yeah. it. Okay. All right. I wasn't putting I wasn't putting it together. Well now we're full circle because I believe you have some lore to tell us about this tree. Casey, do I ever. Alex. However, before we get into that, we need to rate this tree, Casey. Yes. Our golden cone of power rating. Mm-hmm. Our last one. I'll miss it, so. I know, me too. But honestly, once it's cast into Mount Doom, that's good with me. Yeah, we got to th- dump him in with a bucket. Yeah, yeah. Well, <laughs> I'll carry it up, Frodo. Oh, boy. <laughs> We're talking about this later. Casey and I are fighting now. <laughs> what? Uh, here's how it works, Case. We're going to have some final thoughts on the Stewardia, and then give it a rating of 0 to 10 golden cones of Power, power forged in the fires of Mount Doom by Sauron. Yep. Casey, as our resident expert, let's do it. We'll begin with you. So, as I noted at the beginning, I find this tree to be the definition of a ballerina, it just like fully coming into flower. Mm. I don't know if that's the proper metaphor I should be using, but I'm gonna I'm gonna stick with it. I think it is a stunning tree. The bark is is so beautiful. The form, 
understated. Yeah. The delicacy, yet strength, because it's a very hard-wooded tree, is undeniable. The flowers are not in your face, but if you know where to look, you, if you see one, you're like, oh, there's... Oh my God, they're tucked in everywhere. It's like you see one bird flutter, then all of a sudden your eyes adjust and they can pick out all the birds in this thing. Right. That's how I feel with Stuardia. Also, it is underplanted. Wow. Though I have said many times that there is overplanted trees. In this episode, I have noted you should not plant what you think is going to be a specimen tree in the wrong place or it will be a poopy tree. Uh huh. The Stuardia. There are so many places that is a perfect place for a stewardia to grow, and they are just not planted because people want to plant a dogwood or a magnolia or a cherry tree. Mm -hmm. All those trees are fine except for the cherry tree, but you could plant a stewardia and have a uniquely like underrated and like very um, under the radar tree that kind of pops up. It's like, wow, what's that beautiful tree? Yeah. Oh, that. That's a stewardia. What's a stewardia? I don't have time for this. <laughs> and That's, you whip your cape around and exactly. leave. <laughs> That's, good day, sir. Yeah, good day. Wow, that was... They invited me over for brunch. That's really weird. <laughs> I just got yeah. here. So that is... Uh, I, um, <laughs> I just got... Sorry, that was really funny. It's funny for me to imagine. Casey and I are delirious. <laughs> yeah, we're not. Uh, so I, uh, I think the stewardia as a, as a tree to be planted is easily like a... a I'm going to go an 8.7. Very good. 8.7. Yeah. It's, it, it, is, it is a delicate and just beautifully crafted tree. Wonderful. I think it, I think it needs to be planted a thousand times more. Wonderful. An under, a, a rare underplanted tree. Yes, very rare. Underplanted. And again, I should just reiterate, I think it should be planted everywhere that it is a good tree to be planted in. Of course. It's a good place for the to, to be planted. In. Thank you. Yes. Alex, what do you think? 8.7 golden cones of power from Casey Clapp. Casey, throw those cones. Throw those cones in the fire. Nice. It's done. <laughs> now my turn. <laughs> Wait, you were carrying a ring this whole time too? Wow, what a twist. Yeah, what a twist. And he wasn't complaining about it. He's got like a like a janitor's key ring of of rings. <laughs> He's been collecting Here's all the rest. Everyone. Here's all the rest. Frodo, you are just so pathetic. <laughs> I've got 17. <laughs> I've got 17. Um I think the Stuardia, I mean the more I learned about it, the more I liked it. Okay. I like that it it really requires perfect conditions yeah. to flourish. I love the flowers. I like the leaves, even though they're they're bordering on utility leaf. Yeah, they still have a little flair to them. Yeah. Okay, that's true. The bark, stunning. Uh, I love the the look of it in the fall. Amazing. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, it, like, oh my god. Yeah. The rest of the morphology is gorgeous. It's mm -hmm. so like, it's so delicate and narrow and like, and. Uh, you know, there's no like hard edges. It just like yeah. looks like a big sprawling, beautiful. I think mm. a ballerina is a great way to describe it, Casey. Perfect. It's, it's art. It's art in motion. Super graceful. Uh, I'm giving it a flat 9.0 golden cones of power. Oh, yeah. I what think it, a what a tree. I think it just it just it just hit hits that barrier of 9.0. Yeah, I think that's fair. Um, and here I will drop my 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 ring into the fire bush. I mean, uh, 
Bagoosh. Bagoosh. Oh, that was yeah. That was very that was very understated. <laughs> yeah. Once once the with the one ring of power goes in, all the rest are kind of like, man, eh, it's just metal now. <laughs> well, it hardens that that lava hardens immediately. Yeah, it really does. You got to throw cool. them all at once. Uh, hey, that was our review of the Stewardia. We hope you liked it. Casey, we've got a bit of a segment here. We do. we got to do this. To round out our discussion of Lord of the Rings on this tree podcast, we thought it would be appropriate to talk about a piece of mythology from the Lord of the Rings canon. Yep. This is the story of the two trees of Valinor, mm. uh, also known as the two trees of the Valar, or the trees of the Valar, or simply... The Two Trees. Uh-huh. There's that episode title. Yeah, that's beautiful. Uh, Casey, these two trees are named Laurelin, which is the gold tree, mm-hmm. and Telperion, which is the silver tree. Oh. Uh, so we're going we're gonna to just talk about this story, this, this, uh, this myth, and uh, yeah, I'm going to do my best. I, I am, I am uh, you know, Tolkien... You're Tolkien-esque, for sure. Well, no, I was... Tolkien is is famously dense. Mm, yeah. Uh, God bless anybody who can make their way through the Silmarillion. Uh, yeah. Just a, uh, a masterwork of a human being um, and understand what's happening, you know? Yeah. Uh, so we're, we're going to talk about these two trees. It's going to be very base level. So if you're like a Tolkien, you know, uh, Tolkien head and uh, maybe, maybe just... Don't pay attention to this because it'll drive you insane. Because <laughs> you're gonna hate it. Yeah, I'm, I'm gonna do my best here. It'll probably be about the same the same qualities when I talk about Greek myths. Mm. Um, so we have Laurelin, the gold tree, and Telperion, the silver tree. Okay, these trees brought light into the land of the Valar. The Valar, Casey, you can kind of look at as um, I kind of kind of equate them to like the Olympians. Ah, okay, yeah, of Middle Earth, the Valar. They're like the gods of power. Mm-hmm. They kind of create and and destroy and mm-hmm. um and all that all that jazz. Okay. Um. So these two trees brought light into their land in ancient times. Wow. These were destroyed by Melkor, uh, with help from Ungoliant, who is a primal spider. Yeah, I just looked at that. I saw that primal spider, and yeah. I was like, how do I access my primal spider? <laughs> There's got to be a yoga move for that. <laughs> yes. <laughs> primal spiders is kind of advanced for yeah, me. Yeah, I'm sure it is. <laughs> um, uh, yeah, I, and, and Ungoliant is the mother of Shelob, who appears ah, in yes. Return of the King. That is very true. Um, uh, so here's, here's kind of how it goes. The first sources of light in all of the world. Mm-hmm. At this point, it was not Middle Earth. It was yeah. something else. It was called some, Arda. Some nebulous space. Yes. It was called Arda, and it had a few different um, continents. Okay. The two first sources of light were lamps. There was Ilween, which was a silver lamp mm-hmm. in the north, and Ormal, which was a golden lamp in the south. Okay. These were destroyed by Melkor. Melkor, um, I'm going to take a really broad stroke and say Melkor was like the OG Sauron. I was going to say, he seems like the, the, the king of like the, the, the everything. Like he was there for the world and like created this, like, you know, he was like, 
I don't know the the primal Sauron. Yes, know, he was he he was on a and I'm I'm referencing one wiki to rule them all, the Lord of the Rings wiki. <laughs> uh, he was a dark. He was the first dark lord. Yeah, and uh, the primordial source of evil. So gotcha. he's evil incarnate. Uh, he destroyed these two lamps. God, what a jerk! Terrible thing to do. He took all the light out of the world. Before yeah. that, all the only lights were the stars. Whoa, it was very dark. Okay. Uh, the Valar, those gods, yeah, they went to this place called Valinor, mm-hmm. and one of the Valar named Yavanna sang into existence the two trees, the Whoa. silver Telperion and the golden uh, Laurelin, possibly ah, okay. sort of in remembrance of the two lamps. Yeah, okay. To replace the two lamps, because they are gold and silver. Yeah. Telperion... Which was the uh, silver lamp, uh, the silver tree? Yeah, was considered male and Laurelin female. Now this is interesting because later this will come into play. Uh huh. But basically, these two. Well, I won't spoil it. Never mind. Never. Mind. Oh gosh. Okay, we all want to know though. <laughs> Each tree was a source of light. Telperion's, of course, silver and Laurelin's gold. Okay. Telperion had dark leaves that were silver on one side and had kind of a silvery dew that collected as a source of water or light. Yeah. Uh, imagine like glowing, glowing drops of water. Ah, kind of, kind of yeah, a yeah, yeah. lovely idea. Okay. Laurelin, the gold, gold tree had gold trimmed leaves and her dew was collected by one of the Valar. Yeah. So one day at this point lasted 12 hours and each tree would give off seven hours of light alternating. Yeah. But they would overlap by an hour. Mm. And this was the uh, origin of a dawn and a dusk of both gold and silver light shining uh, at once. Oh, okay, okay. Isn't that beautiful? That is, it is beautiful. Like, also, I like the idea that the trees did this for like these two separate areas, you know? Yeah. Like one shown and the other shown. Like, it very much is a, a, a cascading of light coming and going. Well, Casey, that plays into this next part. Oh, uh, what? Melkor, remember him? Fucking Melkor. Uh, Melkor became jealous. Who knows why? What? what? He's evil. Why would he be jealous? I want to, I'm, I'm so curious. He's just like, I, I feel like that's, you just pick something to be jealous of and you just like, you, you commit to it. Yeah, you just stick to your guns. Yeah. I don't know why I'm jealous, but I am. Yeah, but I am and I'm going to, I'm going to react I'm going to stay mad. Yeah. I'm going to stay mad. Melkor enlisted the help of the giant spider creature. Uh, wait, ungulate again? Un- Ungoliant. Ungoliant. Yes, Ungulate. the mother That's of Shelob. It's an animal. And together they destroyed the two trees. Again? So they yes. destroyed the two uh, lamps first, and then they destroyed the two trees afterwards. Yes. What do they have against light? <laughs> well, he's evil incarnate. He, he loves the darkness. I guess so. He's all about death and dark. Wow. Um, yeah, he struck them with a spear, and, uh, and then the spider... Uh, devoured them. She wow. ate them on up. Whatever life and light remained of them. Yes, she ate all the light. Wow. I didn't know that the, the, in, in the lore that the spiders ate light. Like, that sounds scary. Yeah, that's some real mythology shit. Yeah. Wow. So, again, the, the gods reacted, the Valar reacted. Yeah, what did they do? Well, they succeeded in reviving Telperion's last flower and mm. Laurelin's last flower. Last fruit, excuse me. Okay. Two, two last pieces of, of these trees of light. And they turned these, this flower and this fruit into the moon and the sun 
respectively. Ah, but this is where you were talking about earlier, is that the golden one became the moon. Is that correct? No, Casey. It was opposite? The silver one became the moon. But if you remember, Telperion was male. Yes. Which makes the moon... The, in, in Lord of the Rings, they refer to the moon as he. Yes. And the Laurelin, which became her last, uh, excuse me, yes, her last fruit became the sun. In Lord of the Rings, the sun is always referred to as she, ah. which is reverse of a lot of mythologies I'm familiar with. Exactly. From Earth times. From Earth, from the from the OG Earth. Or, yes, uh, from top it, Earth. Yeah, Earth, yes, exactly. That is so fascinating. Like I love that little like um, like extra addition into there. But like, well, you know, in this world, actually, the the female is also the intense creator. Yeah, there you go. How cool. Okay, so um, then, yeah, keep going because th- don't these trees have something to do with our tree of Gondor? Casey, yes. So the tree of Gondor, the white tree of Gondor, which can be found in Minas Tirith in the courtyard there. Uh huh. I just had a moment of clarity. If somebody is listening to this and has no interest in Lord (laughs) of the Rings, I just, I don't know. I guess I feel bad. Hey, don't worry about it. Uh, Our cones are our own. Yeah, man. So are our trees. Because this, uh, keep listening. Here, we'll give it a spoiler. We're going to wrap this back around to our subject tree. Here we go. Promise. So tell Perion, who is destroyed, was the the silver tree, right? Um, Had an ancestor. And the ancestor's name was Galathilion. Ooh, that's a great name. If you will. So here's, here's how that came to be. The elves, the first elves that came to this land, mm-hmm. they loved Telperion. Yeah. So one of the Valar, these gods, made a second tree to stand in the elven city, right? Oh, yeah. Okay. The tree they named Galathilion mm-hmm. was identical to, to Telperion. Except that it gave no light. Oh, wait. So it didn't give its light. So it was just like almost a clone, but like it didn't have that special godliness to it. Yeah. It's kind of like a mortal clone. Yeah, it was like uh, Hercules. Yeah, okay. That's exactly what I was thinking. Okay, gotcha. Um, And it had a lot of seedlings. Mm. So Mm. these seedlings were planted all over the place. One of these was planted on the Isle of Tol Arisea, and they named it Celeborn. Now... A seedling of Celeborn, so that's the third ancestor, okay. Celeborn, right? Gotcha. A seedling of Celeborn was brought as a gift to the to the Numenorians. Okay. And if you remember, Casey, Numenor was the kingdom of um, of men. Oh, yes. It was, it was an island. Okay. And do you remember one of the characters uh, in Lord of the Rings who's a Numenorian? No, Gandalf. No. Uh. Aragorn. Aragorn. Thank Aragorn you. is a descendant of uh-huh. Numenor. He is I one of the see. Dunedain. I gotcha. So he was a descendant of, of the first men, I believe. Okay. All right. The first men from the fist. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> oh, boy. This tree was known as Nimloth. Yeah. Uh, it was the white tree of Numenor. So we're getting closer, right? Yeah. Okay. So this is now the white tree of Numenor. Yes. Okay. Uh, it, it survived through most of that realm's duration, but when uh, Sauron eventually corrupted the king and had him chop it down. Oh, God. He corrupted the whole island. Oh, yes. that's so terrible. However, Isildur. Remember Isildur? <laughs> the famous, yeah. Yes. He managed to save a piece of a fruit from that tree. Wow. 
Of this fruit later came the white trees of Gondor. That's amazing. So he then planted it in Gondor. In Minas Ethel. Okay. Uh, in the second age, that tree died. Yeah. Uh, replanted in Minas Anor. Okay. Like a sapling from it, I guess. Gotcha. That tree died. It was replanted in Minas Tirith. That tree died. It was replanted in Minas Tirith. So the one that we see in the movies, Casey. Yes, okay. And, and, and that, we, that we know from the book is the fourth generation of that tree. So the fourth generation of that tree, but planted in the same spot where it's continually died. Yes. Huh. And guess what? It yeah. died again. Yeah, it did. And the lore goes that after... After Lord of the after the events of Lord of the Rings, yeah. Aragorn and Gandalf uh-huh. went off somewhere and found another sapling, came back and replanted a new white tree of Gondor. And where I'll, would they have to go? I don't. I'm not totally sure. Stunning. It's on the wiki. Yeah, but I bet you anything that that tree survived <laughs> because so did the hope of men. Oh, and thus ends our beautiful saga. That's that. Now, Alex, to wrap that up in a bow. Uh huh. I bet you this tree is the. I rather. I, I think that the Stewardia is the top Earth descendant of the tree, the White Tree of Gondor. I would. I would agree with you, Casey. And the reason being, it sounds like the Tree of Gondor needs some pretty cush conditions. Maybe magically speaking, those conditions have to be you know magically cush potentially with magic. However, based on what I'm hearing, this is the wrong tree for the wrong place. Yes. Because it's died consistently, and each time they plant a new one back, and it dies again. Yeah. So they either got to move somewhere where the magic is thorough, and they don't get corrupted. Yeah. Maybe that's this place now because of climate change. This volcano's exploded because this ring's been put into it. This mountain climate is now going to get a little bit warmer. Uh Uh-huh. Maybe it's going to work out better for this tree if the soil and the water regime is right. And the magic regime is correct, but see, this is that tree is a metaphor it, for oh for the for the the, the corruption of man kind of thing. Or? Well, I don't know. Oh, it's a, it's an important descendant of a tree that was that that was there at the beginning. You oh, know? all right. I so see. it's like a it's like a uh, it doesn't really matter if it survives or not. They just need it there. To, <laughs> they just you know, need it there. Yeah, it's an important piece of their culture. There you go, and then they, thus it becomes a very you know good specimen tree because it represents this big thing. It has a very uh, metaphorical thing to it. Precisely. Now, what I hope is that they have an arborist come and take a look at it and make sure that the soils are good and they know how to water it and all these kinds of things. Because yeah. I could see someone standing there like wearing a hard hat looking at him planting this tree and just shaking their head and like leaning over to the elves and be like, this fucking thing's going to die again. <laughs> they just didn't listen to me. The soil's all wrong. They're gonna, the, it's all compacted. And they the elves are like, deep. the elves are like, we know. Yeah, no. <laughs> it's elves in hard hats who are basically just shaking their heads as these men are planting the yeah. wrong tree in the wrong place. These men will never learn. Oh God, that just makes that just makes me giggle to no end. <laughs> that was the tale of the two trees of Valinor, Casey. It's time for our completely arbitrary Q and A. All righty. This week, our question comes from Sawyer. What's up, Sawyer? Sawyer asks, "I am writing you." Because I'm curious what your thoughts are on the ability for plants to communicate via pheromones. Ooh. We know from Peter Wallenben and David Attenborough Uh that they do use pheromones. So specifically, I was listening to the Ginkgo Tree episode of our show, Casey. Oh, that's a good one. I remember Casey had mentioned the putrid smell from the females. 
Do you think that that smell is an attractant to the males? It's a nice thought anyway. Uh, thank you for your time. I appreciate you both. Sawyer, we appreciate you as well. Back at you. Case, what do you think about pheromones? Huh? That is such a good question. Um, so, uh, Peter Wallenben, for those of you who may not know, is the author of the famed book, The Hidden Life of Trees. Yeah. Not to be confused with The Secret Life of Plants. And he is essentially uh, war out the idea that trees are sentient community living dwellers yeah that, are, that care and love and feel and want and all that stuff um the book is just literally thick of that it's wonderful in one regard where it really does you know bring up these these science-based things in fact he goes like wax is poetic about Suzanne Samard's work, which we talked about a couple weeks ago. Oh, David Wallenben does. Yeah, yeah, he brings her up specifically in his book as wow. the researcher doing this work. I didn't know they were contemporaries. I, oh, yeah, yeah. I, uh, I, I, my timeline's all fucked up. Ah, yeah. So uh, they are. Yeah, they that that book came out probably what five years, ten years ago, something like that. Oh, okay. Um, and then her book just came out. Two years ago, three years ago, maybe. I honestly thought that the Secret Life of Trees was from the eighties. Oh no, 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 no! You mean the, the Hidden Life of Trees? The Hidden Life of Trees. Oh, that, Secret Life of Plants. Yes, that came out in the nineteen eighties. Hidden Life of Trees. Yes. Boy, correct. I'm conflating all over the place. Yeah, there's a lot going on here. Our brains are mush. Yeah. Regardless, they are contemporaries. Okay. Uh, to we'll leave it at that. Apologies. Um, but so. They initially started saying trees are way more actively doing stuff than what we thought. We thought there's just these big sticks in the ground that just grow up and constantly fight everybody else. But it turns out they're connected underground by not only root grafting, but fungal mycorrhizal networks that go between all these trees. Right. And they then said, well, what else do they do? And they kept on you know, looking into it, and they ended up finding that, well, even if you don't have them connected by roots, there's signaling that goes on by plants, broadly speaking, including trees, about different, um, ferum- or different things that are happening. The quintessential example is an ex- insect comes through, and that insect, insect starts chomping on uh, a tree A. Tree A then starts putting out different mm-hmm. chemicals to try to stop that that insect, you know, distasteful things or poisons of whatever it can do. And sometimes that'll stop that individual insect. But as that goes out into the world, the tree isn't always necessarily attacking one thing. It's more like you get stressed and your whole body starts giving out stress hormones, right? Yeah. That's a similar thing where you're not getting your stress hormone is not attacking, you know, this one thing that's biting you. Your whole body is going into attack mode. Sure, yeah. That's what that's what trees do. So their whole body's like, whoa, something's up. Start giving off these enzymes and these chemicals and they start basically putting themselves into defense mode. And they put that shit out in the air? Exactly. Yeah. Because okay. it, it goes off and it becomes a volatile organic compound, which is essentially something we can't really smell all the time, but sometimes you can, like, you know, the pine scent smell. Mm-hmm. It's a volatile organic oh, compound how about that where as soon as it is exposed to air it volatilizes and goes in and then we smell it so those those gases and things uh-huh float on the breeze to tree yes, b exactly. next door then tree b gets a the, whiff <laughs> yeah tree b's like whoa what's going on over there yeah it 
doesn't, if uh, once a tree starts making it, so let's say it bites a leaf A on tree A, this insect, leaf A, it has that initial response where it's like, oh, I'm getting attacked. Attack means this. It then reacts and starts putting out this hormone. It, this then gets picked up by all the other leaves through the veins and also across air because it, evol- it volatilizes as that thing's chomping down. So then everything near it starts to have that same reaction because if that chemical is made, it then begets its getting made by other parts of that same tree. So it's a reaction where as soon as you smell it, you start doing the same thing. Hmm. So that whole tree starts from one thing. It spreads throughout that entire tree. Then it goes over to the other tree, and the other tree is like, no, I smell that. When I smell that, I do that. And it starts to produce this same compound. So all these trees in a certain area start to make these whole compounds. We wouldn't necessarily call them pheromones. Sure. Because most of the time, I think that term's used more for for plant... uh, for animals and insects. Yes. But for all intents and purposes, it's the same thing. Sure. And so then these pheromones will go from tree A to tree B, and tree B will be like, whoa, I got I to gotta start putting out these chemicals because I'm being attacked. It doesn't necessarily think it is being attacked. It just says, an attack is happening. Get on alert. Yeah. That tree's now on alert. Then tree C, D, E, F, all the rest of them in this area will start putting on this alert, and then that insect will be like, whoa, this is not good. I, I don't like the taste of this. Goes to tree B, and it's like, whoa, this tree's this tree tastes bad too. Then it leaves entirely. So the plants, one gets attacked and then warns the others. That's great. Goes through the air for sure. It also will go through the roots where tree A will start producing this. It'll get put through the entire tree into the fungus, out the other side of the fungus into tree B. <clears throat> oh. Tree B will start doing it, but it has been conditioned to do it because it got signals through the underground network. Casey. So you have two. My last Lord of the Rings reference. <gasps> Uh, my analogy of this of this series. Okay. Remember uh, when Gondor is poised to be attacked by Mordor? Yes. And Mary climbs the tower oh, and lights the bonfire. Yes, the signal fire. Yes, and then all the signal fires light. All I always cry during that part. It's because it's so beautiful. They light all the way to Rohan. Yeah, and Rohan decides to go help yeah. Gondor. Right. Oh God! Even yeah. talking about it, I, I get a little choked up. It's so good. It's like if they ask, we'll go, and yeah. then they're not going to ask, and then he does it. Yeah, <sighs> it's so good. He does it anyway. I that is the perfect. That is the exact example where it's it's not that those fires are touching. They didn't actually communicate. It's just some big thing is like, oh, okay, cool. Yeah. Now this, and then they then they go and, and they they get the message. It's exactly the same thing. Cool. Yeah, it's exactly the same thing. I'm not going to take that away. Thank you, Casey. <laughs> yes. Sawyer, I know it's not a perfect, but... Uh, <laughs> you were going with it. Thank you so much, Sawyer, for your question. Yes, and Sawyer, I should add, if you ever want to hear more about this, the um, uh, Susan Samard's book specifically goes into more detail um, about these kind of fungal network connections. Um, and also, there is a bunch of other stuff about there, but they do a lot of garden stuff with like tomatoes, where it's like, does this tomato warn that tomato? Oh, interesting. And then it happens because who cares about trees? Tomatoes, those are the things we got to worry about. Yeah. Yeah, but there's a lot of research out there. It is thorough, and trees and uh, ecosystems, plants communicate way more than we ever even imagined. We don't even know the core, we don't even know a tenth of it. And we don't even know what they're saying all the time. Mm. We just know they're saying it. How about that? There you go. If you have a question about Casey for trees, email us at arbitrarypod at gmail.com, A-R-B-O-R-T-R-A-R-Y pod. 
Join us on Instagram at ArbitraryPod or join the Patreon. <laughs> I'm melting down, Casey. <laughs> get on to the Patreon. <laughs> Patreon.com slash ArbitraryPod. You can join the Arboretum and get two bonus episodes a month and be involved with a lot of different stuff. You can join the Cone of the Month Club. Get a unique die-cut cone sticker illustrated by an independent artist sent to you every month in your mailbox, your physical mailbox. It's a great way to support the pod. And another great way to support the pod is to rate and review on your podcast platform of choice. Casey Clapp. Alex Croson. We've made it to the end of this odyssey. What a... This has been so much fun. Let the eagles carry us home. Yeah, I'm going to jump on my eagle and go home now. <laughs> I want to be picked up with, by the talons so I can just sleep midair. Yeah, but like hopefully they don't crush you. Know, you you can just kind of... Like, oh, they're so gentle. Yeah, they have to be. They're yeah. really good. They're, they're pros. They're wise beings. Yeah, they are. They really are. Um, Casey, today was a lot of fun. Today was. We hope you guys had a lot of fun with yeah. us. We I, hope most of this was listenable. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it was such an enjoyable ride. Also because the the three topics that we we chose are just like such wide range, ranging yet somewhat philosophical topics. Like, yeah. You can really have a we can have a lot of fun with this. So I hope if anyone has any opinions just let us know. Yes, please. Always send us an email with your opinions or post on the Instagram. Just don't always expect that we're going to get back to you. <laughs> wow. Well, he said it, folks. <laughs> um, Casey, thank you, my friend. Thank you. You are the Frodo to my Sam, even though you want to be Sam. I'm oh, sorry. No, you know what? You're my Frodo to my Sam. Hey, there we go. We're both Sams. We're both Frodo's. <laughs> wow. <laughs> that is such a... Oh boy, we're Every, really giving yeah. ourselves a lot of Everyone's credit. Everyone's vomiting right now. Turn the volume down. Like, just end it, you guys. <laughs> Jesus. Thank you so much for listening to this trilogy of completely arbitrary. We'll see you next time. Bye bye. <laughs> bye bye. Completely arbitrary is produced by Alex Croson and Casey Clapp. Our artwork is by Jillian Barthold, and our music is by Aves and the Mini Vandals. And you can support the podcast at patreon.com slash arbitrarypod. And find additional readings at completelyarbitrary.com. Thanks for listening. 